Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Well, hello and good morning. This is Larson Hicks, and you are listening to the Larson Hicks show or podcast or whatever it is I should call this thing. Um, it's just me, and uh, I am excited about uh, this conversation today with my my new friend, Chris Wang. Um, Chris is out in Columbia, Tennessee, and, and uh, has a, a pretty cool story and background, and frankly, I've just been trying to figure out how to get together with Chris and get to know him better. And, uh, and this seemed like, uh, one of the best shortest putts, uh, to get that done. So I'm excited to have you on the show, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute honor and privilege and, uh, looking forward to hanging out. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, our mutual friend, I think it was Marcus Kreitzer who, who yep. suggested I, I connect with you and you guys know each other I think because of, is it because of kingdom, uh, come.io? Is that right? Yeah. It's because of kingdom come. And okay. we actually met at the fight, laugh, feast conference too. And so okay. it was just okay. at a really overall encouraging time. Um, cool. he's just like, you, you got to meet with Larson. He's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> the awesome. mayor of Huntsville. So yeah, I'm that's like, right. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Marcus is a good dude. He just got back from, uh, South Africa. That's where he's, he's from. That's where oh, wow. his family's from. Yeah, so he's a he's a cool dude. Um, pumped to have him in our church. So um, okay, so uh, we're gonna come into this kingdom come. I think we I think we should talk about that for sure. But maybe um, let's let's back up, and maybe you can just tell me your story. I mean, I, you're in Columbia, Tennessee, which you know I'm sure most people have no idea where that is. Um, I know where it yeah. is because it's yeah. it's like on the way to Nashville, sort of from Huntsville. <laughs> Um, but how the, how the heck did you end up in Columbia, Tennessee? You're not from there, are you? No, no, no relations. So it definitely is a, a Lord's thing. So yeah, I, I would say just to, you know, take a step back. Um, I was born and raised in Chicago, Midwestern yeah. guy, uh, went yeah. to school out there, studied communications. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I decided to cut my teeth on wall street. So, um, went to New York city. And that was 14 years of my existence, um, you know, hard years, but also yeah. uh, learned a lot. Um, and, and that's that's God's story in my life there. Um, and then from New York City, right when COVID began, my wife was in her third trimester with baby boy number two. And okay. we kind of looked at each other and apparently there's something from China that nobody knows about. And um, yeah, we decided to say it's time to move. So in 72 hours, we packed up everything that belonged to us, which was probably four things in a 350 square foot That's right. <laughs> one bedroom apartment in the West Village. And we got out of there and wow. lived in Seattle uh, for a better part of you know three years. And I would say that's when God did a mighty work. And mm. uh, we can talk about that later. But ultimately, part of that work was for us to uh, recalibrate on what mm. it meant to build the kingdom of God and what it meant to be on mission. And ultimately, based on the frame of our family and the desires of our hearts and the blessing and yeah. counsel of our senior pastor, Pastor Jerry Owen at Emmanuel, oh, uh, another CRC sure. church. Yeah, awesome guy. Uh, we decided to pack our bags, say bye to Renee's family, and ultimately start building something new. 
in Columbia, mm. Tennessee, which apparently is on the way to the Nashville airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on where you're from, but yes, uh, that's very cool. Jerry, uh, Jerry uh, is a good friend of mine uh, back in the oh, day. He he was actually my boss at one point. Uh, no we way. Is that at yeah. Crappy Shuts' place? Yeah, that was Apparently it. Apparently he was, was rocking it. out in marketing and sales. Yeah. 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 Wow. He, he, he was the sales manager. I, I was, when I was hired, I believe he was the sales manager at that time or became the sales manager shortly after I was hired. So he and wow. I were probably both you know, in the first 10 or 15 employees at CC benefits, which became MZ, which wow. became a bunch of different things. That's but amazing. Yeah. yeah pretty cool story. Been causing a lot of trouble. Oh yeah. We there. have, <laughs> yeah. Gabe Wrench was also, uh, we were all in no the same way. office and we, we have some really, we moved buildings, um, after our first little office, <coughs> uh, on in Alturas park, actually the, the office that is now story, family medicine or, or right next to that in the same building. Uh-huh. Um, we had, uh, we had several airsoft battles in that office <laughs> in the walls. Like when we were cleaning the building to get it all ready, oh, man, you know, to, awesome. to move out, we found like all these little holes and little divots, um, in yes. the walls. It was like, I don't know that we can fix those. You don't, um, you don't need to live in Silicon Valley. You just yeah. go to Moscow, Idaho. That's right. Not the That's PayPal right. mafia, the MZ mafia. That's right. Andrew Absolutely. is a really, really fun boss. Um, he he uh, he liked having fun and and created an atmosphere of of uh, of a lot of camaraderie and fun at that office. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was a good boss, and and Jerry was a great boss. So I I really enjoyed uh, those years I got to spend working with Jerry and and uh, and Gabe and and the crew out there. Wow. So, okay. So you kind of did, it's funny. You kind of did my brother-in-law's, uh, journey. I, I have a brother-in-law who's now in, uh, Hazel Green, Alabama. So he went even Ooh. more obscure than Columbia, but he, <laughs> he did like 10 or 15 years in Brooklyn, then moved to Seattle oh, wow. for, for a little while. Uh, You're kidding me. And, like yeah, the and they tried, yeah, and they tried. They actually tried San Diego for a short period, and okay. then they were like, you know what, we're going. We're so it was like they didn't spend very much time in either. Like, in C- they got to Seattle in the summer, and they're like, this place is paradise on earth. They're like, this right, is amazing right. for about two weeks. And, yep. Yeah, and then like <laughs> eight months later, they were like, we have to find somewhere and <laughs> sun, and so they moved to to San Diego briefly, and we're like, we don't want to live in the big city, and so they we had we had moved out here, and they're like, we're falling you guys so they ended up just north of huntsville um it's amazing yeah yeah Are, is okay so, family based oh sorry is most your family based in huntsville now or at least in the no, alabama um we it's cool a lot of our families found their way here um Beth, it started with just bethany's dad my wife's dad is here we were planning on moving to North Carolina. We'd been in Idaho for 12 years and mm. uh, I was doing a lot of start work with startups and I was looking for a strong startup scene to kind of get into yeah. doing what I doing more of what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we just stopped here for the summer. Um, and no uh, yeah, we're just, we're not planning on staying. And then um, this guy who's one of the founders of this biotech company and I ended up meeting and he was like, Hey, you should stay and help me with this company. And, um, so I, I got this cool opportunity to work at this biotech company. And, um, and by that time we were like, yeah, we're into, we're into Huntsville. We could do this. Um, and when did you say it was that around the time where Huntsville was kind of just getting, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, when it came to you know at least some part of that tech scene, I know I know there's a lot that's going yeah. on there for a while, but I just feel like the past decade, there's, yeah, there's been, been tons crazy. of. Yeah, I I don't know I don't know the big picture story, but I, I can say for sure in the in the I guess nine almost nine years that we've been here, it's it's been on this just pretty intense trajectory, and there really yeah. wasn't. There wasn't really a startup scene. I mean, there still really isn't necessarily. Mm. There's a lot of businesses. There's a lot of uh, tech. A lot of. Um, it's really the the real industry here is is defense. Um, so you okay. have a lot of engineering mm. firms that do tons of work with the government, uh, missile defense agency, and NASA, and those kinds of folks. Um, so yeah, tons and tons of brilliant people. Um, they're all kind of in these quasi-government jobs, which is kind of interesting. Um, interesting mm. um, raw material, you know you know what I mean, from a yeah, human yeah. capital standpoint. Totally. Um, and so it's kind of been fun. We've been slowly trying to unplug these guys from the matrix um, yeah. in, our, in our church <laughs> and trying to encourage people, hey, maybe maybe start Who something. Is it? Uh, Nate's maybe... Bearing, right? I think another yeah. mutual mutual connection. Yeah, Nate's, yeah, Nate grew up here. He, oh, uh, no way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he grew up in Huntsville, so he's got a connection. Um, yeah, I think he showed in... me a photo. I brought you up one time, and it seems like I met everybody who knows you, and I never got a chance to actually meet you. But he had like a picture of y'all just like shooting guns, and your son was That's practicing right. or some, something like that. That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, yeah, I uh, Nate and I uh, got to ke- uh, got to catch up recently um, on his show, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, okay, so so man, so you went all the way from New York. What what were you doing in New York? Like you said, you cut your your teeth in Wall Street. What what were you actually up to out there? Yeah, so I I joined an investment bank and I became an analyst um, hmm. in M and A. So I did a lot of mergers and okay. acquisitions and capital raising. Yeah. Uh, I joined in 2007, so when you think about okay. that craziness, yeah, um, no you know, I, I think when I joined my entire investment banking practice on the media and entertainment side, that was the industry I covered. Interesting. Um, a couple of got eliminated, and then we welcomed uh, the media practice from a company called Bear Stearns, because oh, wow. Bear Stearns went completely under just a few weeks before. Wow. And I remember I'm you know walking you know through Times Square. And I see a sign, you know, the Lehman's Brothers, you know, plastered all over Times Square. And then the next day, uh, it says Barclays. Uh, wow. So that was that was the world that I lived in. I, I thought I was going to make a lot of money uh, with yeah. the whole uh, leverage buyout craze. And instead, I was really hoping that I would still have my job. So, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so God had a very different story. Um, and worked my tail off. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't think I necessarily came with a very disciplined background um, mm-hmm. In college, um, in some mm-hmm. ways, I kind of squandered it. That's part of my prodigal son sure. story. Sure. Um, but but the Lord really taught me um, how to take ownership of my work mm. um, and put me in a unique team where they expected uh, two times more output and a lot more responsibility because we were a lean team. So in some mm-hmm. ways, I got tons of responsibility right from the start, whether I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, over time, it did take a toll on my spiritual life um, and my, you know, relationship with God because I was spending 70, 80 hours a week working 77 days out of the week. Um, and that's, okay. that's part of God's work too, um, just making me realize um, just how much um, life 
revolved around work and how work became a place where um, it, it ultimately became a place where I couldn't I couldn't break out of the system. Yeah. So that was kind of the beginning hints of God um, showing me, and, and we can mm-hmm. talk about this later, uh, about um, a life in which you're just constantly being subordinated to a greater a greater system, and you mm-hmm. just can't break out of it. And so mm-hmm. some people call it the golden handcuffs, and they're yeah. pretty legitimate. And and it got the gold got real every year you stayed, and yeah. and you know ultimately I concluded that there were so many bright, um, smart, talented people on Wall Street, and nine out of ten of them shouldn't be there. Mm. Um, so so did that, and then after after a few years of that, I joined a startup. Um, mm-hmm. I was their first business hire. And um, again, I had no clue what I was doing. I valued a company called Squarespace, um, and the founder came in, and I pulled an all-nighter for him, and he came in shorts and flip-flops, and I'm in like my three-piece suit, and you oh know, gosh. smell like rank, and um, I'm just like, what in the world? Like, who are you, and what do you do? And um, yeah. I want to know. So we got, we actually got to get to know each other a little bit more, and uh, he connected me to his then COO. And then the COO connected me to a recruiting event, and I passed out 80 resumes. And kid you not, 79 of them, you know, they asked me, what languages are you proficient in? And I said English. Didn't realize that they were asking about programming languages. And the last resume that I passed was to the founder of uh, the company that I eventually uh, joined for the next, you know, 10 plus years of my life. Um, and so it's amazing what God does, and uh, yeah, we can talk about that too. But that was pretty much the 14 years of my life there. And then church-wise, uh, I joined a church. Um, it was an Acts 29 church plant, and but pretty much Tim Keller ran the show, and our our senior pastor. We had three senior pastors within 10 years. It was it was kind of a crazy ride. I thought that was normal, um, and uh, uh, but ultimately uh, was very much shaped and discipled by kind of a big Eva type of gospel and we can we can obviously talk more about that too uh but yeah that was that was 14 years hey larson for some reason you went out i think you're on mute i i am dude sorry about that okay Uh, my my uh I heard my kids coming up the stairs and I was like, I better mute in case they get loud. Um, so, so you're, you're a driven dude. Uh, and, and I don't know how many of my, I I don't know very many people that have the kind of, um, drive that you do, especially, uh, early in their career. I think a lot of people, what, what I see more of and what I'm what I'm kind of teaching and advising uh, more about are, are are guys that don't take risks early mm. in their career guys who yeah. who are kind of uh, who have been sold this idea of security and stability mm. through a good degree and a good job and working for a big company and I think that's probably more common um, in, in the world. I mean, it just kind of makes sense that the percentage of people that start companies and, and, yep. and do those kinds of things is fairly low. Um, but, but, um, but you've kind of, um, so, so I guess you're, 
your years, those early years in, in Wall Street and banking, um, and you know, kind of led you to, to decide, hey, I want to try this, this startup thing. I want to get involved in something kind of from the ground floor. And you did that for, you, you were um, at, at that company uh, for about 10 years. Um, how did that, how'd that all play out? Like, yeah. what, 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 how did you end up coming to the point to where you were, where you decided, I'm going to do something different? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think I became fed up. I think God, mm-hmm. God brought me to the place where um, I was doing really well and, 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 and the security was there, you know, to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew everything about, about it was wrong too. Mm-hmm. And so um, one night, uh, one of my good friends, he was a corporate lawyer. And so we mm-hmm. would both work really late nights and we would just hang out at like ho- fancy hotel lobbies at like two in the morning because we, we would have to get back to the office um, just crazy stuff like that. And so it was one of those nights and we were just, um, in some ways we were all just kind of complaining. And yeah. I think both of us were just fed up and it, and it got to the place where I just said, I'm going to, I think we should go back to our offices and we should hold ourselves accountable to this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just write down, um, the solution, you know, what are we going to do about it? Mm, and good. so that's what we did. And that night, I pretty much wrote down um, what are the most important things in my life. Mm-hmm. And number one was God. It was my relationship with God. It was um, making sure that I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. So that was number one. Uh, number two, I was single at that time, but I said I would love to one day be a, a faithful husband. Yeah. Number three was I would love to one day be a faithful father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number four was I'd love to be a faithful member of a church. I aspired to be an elder one day. Mm-hmm. Um, number five was I, I wanted to make a dent in my community. Um, I wanted a, I wanted, I wanted the, the kingdom to come um, in my local surroundings. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a known person be, because um, ultimately through Jesus Christ, you know, people's lives would be impacted around me. And mm. then number six was really work. Um, now, you know, whether or not we got all the order, right, it was incredibly a crystallizing exercise just to literally just spend 10 minutes and put that on paper. And then, and then I remember printing it out, got, got my pen and and then it was just a moment of clarity. I said, therefore it is utterly impossible for me to be an investment banker. (laughs) Interesting. Wow. And I just circled it over and over and over and over again. And then uh, brought it back to my buddy. Uh, we shared, and for him, it was very clear as well. And uh, he ended up quitting, I think, within that month. And wow. he's now a professor of law, which is ultimately what his vocational goal was. He actually hmm. lives in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, no so it was pretty fun for us to be able to catch up once we moved out here last July. And ultimately, for me, I realized that I needed to make a move. And so that's when the Lord started actually giving me opportunity. It's amazing mm. when you actually pray to God and you pray mm. specific prayers and then you see him move. And mm-hmm. so that's what he started doing. And he gave me my, my wife. We started, I started um, courting a girl and, and she ultimately um, is my wife of you know, 11 plus years now, Renee. Um, she gave me um, 
um, a lot more opportunity to say no to work. So mm. no on Sundays. You don't have me on Sundays at X period of time. We were a hipster church, so we all met at 5 p.m. Apparently, 20-something-year-olds can, can't wake up you know, on time, yeah. and so 5 p.m. is a good, good start for, for worship. That's funny. Um, and I said, you don't have me then. Uh, you don't have me on Thursday nights when I take my wife out or my future wife out for, mm-hmm. for, for drinks and a dinner. Um, and, and then we started a, a local ministry called The Brotherhood where we just played mm. a bunch of hoops with um, at-risk teens. My dad passed when I was 11. And so I think mm. that age is a very, very, is a very, very impressionable age for me. And so he just gave yeah. me a heart for those types of boys where, you know, you open their refrigerators and, you know, they have ketchup bottles and, you know, leftover, you know, um, stuff from McDonald's and that's pretty much mm. it. So mm. we got to hang out with them and we grew that to about 30, 40, 40 boys and, that's you know, awesome. 10, 20 dudes just hanging out, playing basketball. And then afterwards, um, just talking about Jesus. Um, so okay. the Lord just gave me all these things, but it was at, in exchange, I needed to say no, um, yeah. to, to work. I needed to, I needed to create those boundaries and, and prioritize. So long story short, um, I got promoted to be an associate, which pretty much meant I got to bypass having to get an MBA because they only, mm. they only um, hired people who got their MBAs. Um, mm. But then they ultimately took it away because the, the, final, the final straw was um, they told me that I, I couldn't go to a wedding, which I was oh, a wow. part of, um, because I, I needed to be on a pitch for like a multi-billion dollar opportunity. And so again, the Lord gave me an opportunity to, to wonderfully look them in the eyes and say no. And wow. so they ultimately took that away. And then it forced me to really ask the question of, well, what now? And that's when I value that company, Swearspace. And that story is, that, that, that's, that's the story that God gave me as a result of um, them pulling away from me. So, Wow. Wow. So you you haven't talked about this yet, and and but like your your kind of spiritual journey, uh, church and and you know, um, you mentioned that you were at a, kind of a hipster Acts twenty nine, yep. you know, Tim, very Tim Keller influenced church there. Um, but prior to that, growing up, what it, what it, what kind of church background did you have? Yeah, so my parents um, they're they're Korean, so they came from a Presbyterian background. So mm-hmm. I actually got baptized as an infant, yeah. um, but then when I became a prodigal, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, during college, um, I became a Baptist because because mm. so I got baptized like four times throughout my nice <laughs> nice throughout my adult life. <laughs> I nice. didn't know any better, and so so whenever I would share my testimony, quote unquote, um, yeah. it would always it would always be in college. You know, that's when that's when I became a Christian. But mm-hmm. now I've revised that testimony to say it actually became, it was actually yeah. from my parents. Yeah. My parents realize, realize this by faith, and they believe yeah. in the covenant promises of God. And so I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a fruit of that. I'm a fruit of yeah. faith. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so I, 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 I grew up um, you know, in a context where church was very much a cultural thing. Um, I, I would say my church experience with my naive, you know, understanding of it as a young, um, young foolish guy, um, was mainly, it was more Korean, more cultural Mm -hmm. than it was Christian, at least for me. Um, a lot of it was spoken predominantly in Korean and Mm -hmm. I didn't really speak Korean that well. Um, Mm -hmm. so we had kind of this sort of carve out for all the kids who only spoke English. 
And yeah. that was a, that was kind of a miserable existence, hmm. you know, for, for me. And, and so that was my experience of what, what church was like. I, I really was um, experiencing non-church at church mm -hmm. through an English speaking only um, ministry, right? Whereas the rest mm -hmm. of everybody else was worshiping in Korean. So ultimately I kind of pulled away from that and, and lived a double life and, um, and then God did his work, you know, in, in college. Mm -hmm. And um, ultimately, you know, that, uh, you know, torpedoed me on a crazy journey, you know, from Sovereign Grace and CJ Mahaney and Joshua Harris, that whole kind of reformed charismatic world to John mm -hmm. Piper and pietism um, to uh, church growth models like Andy Stanley and Rick Warren um, to going even deep on the charismatic side, because at that time, a lot mm. of the reformed brothers on Acts 29 were continuationists. And so ultimately starting yeah. to kind of drop in during church, you know, as a church growth model for, 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 you know, non-Christians being a part of church, all of a sudden, you know, a lot of hip swaying music and um, setting the environment for the Holy Spirit to come. And, yeah, yeah. and then ultimately going deep into that, really, really going very charismatic, very Pentecostal, yeah. um, mm. and then pulling, pulling out of that during COVID and, and then find myself faithfully attending a CRAC church and Lord willing planting one in Columbia. Wow. That's crazy. Well, it's, it's a, I mean, I, I think the cool thing about your story, Chris, is that, um, you know, y you've, uh, you've been very active in your faith and in, in your walk, you haven't been, um, sleepwalking, which, which I think a lot of us are guilty of, of, of mm. just kind of passively sort of being carried along and, um, and usually the Lord does something to kind of shake us awake and at some point, uh, but it's, it's cool that just to hear your story that you've been very actively engaged in, in your faith and in, in figuring out, you know, where, where you fit. And, and, um, and I appreciate that. I've got a, I've got a fairly similar story in some ways, um, you know, um, and, and have ended up in a similar place to you, um, but I'm, I'm really interested in, um, I, I think the work you're doing now is, uh, is really exciting. And, um, and you spent, you know, it took, it took you doing the investment bank thing and then doing the startup kind of technology thing, um, uh, and, and several different iterations, um, um, in that world before you kind of arrived at where you have, but I'm, I'm fascinated by, kingdomcome.io and, 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 uh, and some of the other stuff that you're working on. Um, so maybe, maybe fast forward and, and give us kind of the, the, um, the, you know, the current focus, I guess on the, I mean, it's, it, it there's not really, it sounds to me like your the goal, the list of goals that you wrote for yourself back, back then is still very much, you know, in the center of what you're doing and, and you've maybe changed some of the priorities here and there, but, but it also doesn't sound to me like you have it compartmentalized. Like it's a kind of a all of life mm. kind of um, approach. Like you're 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 sort of um, you've moved from you know work is the predominant thing and uh, faith is is Sunday and and yeah. and kind of you know adding in some ministry here and there. But but it sounds like you're kind of, you've kind of moved into a a more integrated. Uh, approach to the mission of your life. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I actually would love to hear how, how you're doing it too. Um, but yeah, I would say, um, you know, I, I think over time, 
even though I, I might have not said it this way, the way that the theology and my beliefs came out of my fingertips was that I just thought that the spiritual life and the pietistic life and becoming a, a pastor, um, mm. preaching the gospel, I just started to think that that was, that was a better world. Mm. Um, and I think Joe Boot, Dr. Joe Boot talks about how there's sort of two levels thinking. Like right. the first level is like earthy and this is sort of where most of our understanding of reality comes from. And then all of a sudden you have this transcendent, mm -hmm. invisible world, this abstract world, and that's prioritized over another. And, and it was sort of this two kingdom mindset in, yeah. in kind of a radical way where I didn't believe Jesus was king over everything. Right. And I ultimately started thinking that Jesus was just kind of king over my heart. Right. And, and so it's really interesting how um, over time work became so important and then over time work became almost less important. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. so, so my focus was more on preaching the gospel right. like, as, to as many people as possible on the subways right. or at the workplace. Right. I just kind of became that person. And, and, and I do think God has leaned me in, has created you know, those things as potential gifts. Um, but, but it became an, a, almost like a, a tunnel vision focus. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that was the corrective. And I really, I really have to thank, um, thank the Lord, obviously, but really thank um, the CREC mm -hmm. and um, faithful pastors like Doug Wilson and what's going on over there in Moscow, but mm -hmm. also other, other faithful brothers kind of within, within our camps um, yeah. because they really opened me up to a glorious new world where mm -hmm. everything belonged to him. Yeah. And I've had, to, I've had to work it out with myself as well. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think what the Lord started doing during COVID, you know, once he started introducing me to things like covenantal theology and post-millennial eschatology, uh, really just working this out, ultimately what ended up happening was I, I just started falling back in love with the Word of God. Mm -hmm. um, That's great. I just started, there's just a work of repentance, but, but praise God, it doesn't just, just start with you turning away. It's because you're mm -hmm. turning towards something even better, even more more glorious than than what you had, and yeah. and ultimately I found that treasure in the scriptures. So yeah. all of a sudden, like my my capacity to imagine, my capacity to be inspired, my capacity to mm -hmm. just be creative, all over again, really rooted itself through the Word of God, That's and awesome. and so ultimately because of that work. Um, and, and then obviously being more, I would say more, more foundation, having more of a robust foundation in terms of, um, the mission of God and the kingdom of God, you know, I, I, my wife and I started realizing that ultimately, um, our mission wasn't for the big city. Mm. You know, we, we realized that there were a lot more tactics and a lot more strategies that sure. the people of God could deploy in the United yeah. States. And yeah. so I was taught with Tim Keller that it was all about New York City. So why y'all, why, why aren't you, why isn't everybody moving out here yeah. and yeah. spending $6,000 a month to rent a 500 square foot, you know, studio or whatever, right? Like, come on. Right. And, right. and, and I would say that was to me, I don't know about anybody else, but that, that was part of my repentance was, was, was not leaving an inheritance for my children. Yeah. And really, really living this pietistic sort of sort of approach, 
mm-hmm. and believing that I can kind of forget about all the earthly things that are really important um, mm-hmm. and just go all out for the gospel. And mm-hmm. having this sort of all of Christ for all of life, what the spell that was broken was that I started realizing that everything was sacred before God. Mm-hmm. I started great. realizing like the most mundane things before God is a sacred work. And mm-hmm. the reason why was ultimately um, I was once a person who hated God, and now I worship a king who laid down his life for me. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just this sense that how could I not do everything in service to this glorious king? Yeah. And when I started thinking about work and when I started thinking about all these things, you know, I realized that, okay, maybe there's an opportunity for me to glorify and maximize the glory of God and build mm-hmm. the kingdom of God in my time, in my generation, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity in which I can do that where I don't have to work at a big tech company, which was where I ultimately yeah. landed before I started all this stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and that's when ultimately I realized that, okay, I have a shot here, and it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to raise multi-billions of dollars, but, but I can at least exercise faith in believing that I am a contributor to the kingdom of God, that mm-hmm. I will be a part of this covenantal story of God in which my children will one day look and say, oh, uh, either, either um, God is boring or God is not that active and this God is only available in the Bible, right? Or mm-hmm. he could say, how could I ever leave this God, this living mm-hmm. God, who did this mighty work in my dad's days? And so I'm, I'm believing that God is going to do a work. And yeah. I'm going to believe that that's going to be part of the inheritance that I leave to my sons yeah. so that they don't leave their God. Instead, they say, well, how could I not take this manuscript yeah. and how could I not build that temple that dad always wanted? Mm. Um, and so ultimately, that's what I'm hoping to do is to create these assets that are maximized in blessing people and ultimately um, bring glory to God and my hope mm-hmm. is that that leaves a lasting testimony. Um, and then, obviously, I, I'm speaking in abstract terms, but yeah, ultimately, we want to create a business that's sustainable, that cash flows, mm-hmm. um, that has a unique moat. Um, and so I, I do think kingdomcome.io, I do think everygoodwork.art, they definitely have the potential for that. But, yeah. I, but again, I, I can't help but Christianize this storyline, yeah. right? Because that's, that's ultimately why we're doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. I love it, man. I think as you described that and answered that question, I think the the journey you kind of took us on was this journey sort of from almost from like ideology or or yeah. uh, to, to ideology. It was like you were sort of you were sort of going, well, it's all about the gospel. It's all about uh, it's all about evangelism, or it's That's all right. about. Um, you know, uh, it, it sounds like you, you kind of went through several different iterations from, you know, pietism. You talked about, you know, sort of this like private holiness, you know, uh, and that that's really what, what matters, uh, or just getting people saved. That's really what matters. Um, and you described kind of your landing in the CREC and kind of being influenced by, by, by folks like Doug Wilson and, and that being kind of the beginning of, of a love for, for just the word of God and, um, and, and, and seeing it applied, uh, everywhere. I I think, um, 
I think what's what I, I was talking about this recently that that I think there's I heard James Jordan talk about this idea that that um, that Gnosticism yeah that was a first century heresy you know kind of the actual you know formal school of thought Gnosticism secret knowledge um, body is bad spirit is good but really those. He, James Jordan talks about it being this this distinctly Christian and and Jewish uh, heresy that's that really has been around since the Garden, and it's this, mm. and the way he describes it is, it's this temptation, this reductionism kind of temptation that we always have to take mm. Scripture and boil it down to what's the essence or what's the what's the the thing, the one thing I have to be. I have to really care about. And it's kind of like you hear it in Satan's question to Eve. Did God, did God really say, Mm. it's kind of like, let's, let's sort of boil down what God said and, and, and try to figure out what the principle is, you know? Um, But, but you see it. I mean, even in the reform tradition, you've got Martin Luther was, was amazing, but also was kind of obsessed with justification by faith. Like that's the thing. Uh, or this law gospel sort of dichotomy, right? Um, and and uh, anyway, you see it all the time, I and mean, you see it in our world too. Like we were, you know, there was a recent kind of controversy um, that's still, I guess, coming <coughs> on with, with Gary Demar talking about right, eschatology. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing with with Gary that you know I think is worth thinking about is is he's a dude who's kind of in, in some ways is kind of painted himself into a corner, you know, like his thing is eschatology, right. it's preterism. And he's done some incredible work and some very helpful work for Absolutely. all of us mm-hmm. exegeting the Bible. But um, his kind of system, I think, and I think we all are constantly in danger of doing this, but we, yeah. we sort of take mm-hmm. a system or an ideology and and let it become our frame for, mm. for everything. And um, and sort of abandon the scripture and sort of or, or at least force the scripture to fit into our system. Yeah. And there's a point at which we all have to, you know, go as, as helpful as whether it's this covenantal thing or it's this eschatological thing or it's whatever this, you know, the thing is um, at some point it's going to break down and and uh, and um, and and at the end of the day, scripture's going to win. Like there's going to be. Good. My son last night was talking with some friends. I was I was sitting there as he was talking about. They were wanting to know, wanting to talk about free will versus you know, <laughs> uh, right against God's sovereignty, and and I was really proud of my son. He said yeah. he said I wrestled with this for a long time, and where I landed was, I'm trying to fit God inside my brain, wow. and that doesn't work. <laughs> like God for is him. was that God is, yeah. No, this was a uh, this was my second son, Micah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that's right. You and Jed met at a. No, recently... we didn't, man. That's the whole. Oh, you didn't part. meet. You guys were at the same thing. Yeah, I think I was just like standing next to him. You know, that's funny. acting like a schmo a little bit. I realize, but that's anyway. funny. Yeah, he told me. I, I mentioned that I was interviewing you. He's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "That guy was at this thing that I was at." Anyway, but yeah, I think the you know, the, the point is, is I I hope you know the good the good that's happening in our circles is um is the fruit of of people um 
trying to take all of the Bible seriously and apply right. it all of their life and not get pigeonholed into, well, it's just about Jesus or it's just mm. about the gospel. Um, those things sound very good and right and Christian, but the problem is like Jesus gave us this huge book that mm. talks about a lot of things, you know? So if mm. it's all about Jesus, then let's, then let's submit our, let's, let's apply his word to all of our lives. Um, that's right. That's right. So, no, that's a good word. Yeah. And, and sometimes, um, you know, it's interesting. Like sometimes I want to ask certain pastors, um, you know, what do they do six days out of the week or people mm -hmm. who are theologians? Cause yeah. I don't know if you've experienced it, but I, I, I think, and, and I'll never know the status of anyone's heart. And I do believe some of these brothers are truly genuine brothers who are in gross yeah. error. I do, I do feel like we, we kind of create these worlds that shouldn't exist where theologians start living in ivory towers. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, pastors, you know, they're not, they actually don't work. You know, yeah. to, you know they don't have a basis of like what, what reality actually looks like, which is um, yeah. there's a shovel in one hand and yeah, there's, there's a pen in the other and you're putting that to paper and, but there, there isn't kind of a, a, even in the way that we order ourselves, you know, in the ministry, I, I do wonder how much of that can be concerning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I do wonder, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, like in the future church, at least in our time, you know, how many, how many of the pastors that we will respect end mm -hmm. up becoming like bivocational? Yeah. Or, or they had a bivocational experience or some sort of vocational yeah. experience that really rooted yeah. them in, in yep. an earthy, physical, real life theology totally. and, and, and Christian living that, yep. that, that ends up resonating with men who do the same. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, Chris. Um, I just being totally honest, uh, I have had a hard time respecting a lot of the pastors I've met, um, mm. over the years because my perception was that they were lazy and they didn't know. Um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't know what, what I was dealing with yeah. out in the marketplace. Like they did, like they, they, and in the South, you know, if you're a, if you're a PCA pastor, like if you have that teaching elder credential in the South, yeah. uh -huh. like that's a meal ticket that you can ride for the rest of your life. Wow. Like you, like if you, if you have that credential, you can make a solid six figure income for the wow. rest of your life. And, and you can, and all you really have to do is, you know, write these sermons that, that really just collect some good stories that you can tack mm. a Bible verse on the end of, um, and, uh, and just avoid saying anything too controversial. So you don't get in trouble and, and get kicked out, you know? Um, but that's, I mean, that's, I hate to say that, but I think that's, I think that's the reality of, of a lot of the pastors we see around us. Mm. And, um, and I, I, uh, and I have a extremely high regard for the office of pastor, Absolutely. my, my own personal experience on the pastor thing. So I grew up in a, in a Baptist church was on fire for Christ, you yeah. know, for from a very early age, very involved in church, very involved in ministry. Um, and uh, my whole game plan when I went up to Idaho for college was 
was to come home and be a pastor was to come home and help, yeah. help my pastor with our church. And that yeah. was, yeah. he, he wanted me to do that. I wanted to do that. Um, and I got to Moscow and, um, watched Doug Wilson and the pastors mm. there. And I mm. was just utterly humbled. <laughs> I was like, woe is me to aspire <laughs> to, to be, to, to, to hold this office. These guys work harder than anybody I've ever seen. They have more discipline than anybody I've ever, I've ever known. Um, and, and, and so I was like, okay, maybe someday when I have gray hair and I have some wisdom and I've learned how to have self-control and have, and actually know how to do things and have some, some measure of wisdom, maybe yeah. I can aspire to that. But like, that's way out there for me. Like that's, mm. that's I, like, I, at that point I was just like, I haven't been, trained and disciplined enough in my life to, to presume that I could step into that role and do it well at this mm. phase of my life. So I kind of felt like released, you know, in some way. And also I was reading Luther and, and the kind of the, the, the priesthood of all believers and sort of the sanctity of yeah. all, of all callings. And I was like, you know, I don't have, like, I, I'm just going to pursue the things I'm interested in, the things I'm good at, and just try to see if I can if I can make, you know, make a living, um, do, you know, doing whatever, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I do think, you know, so we've, our approach to ministry here in Huntsville, yeah, we, we sort of said, um, we would love to have a head pastor. We interviewed a bunch of men, uh, for the role of head pastor, but hmm. one of the theories that I put out there to our session and we talked about several times was, perhaps we won't have a head pastor. Like perhaps we will operate without a head pastor. And my, my argument, I've made this argument to a, a lot of people, but my argument was, was when you break down all of the things that are, that, that I think are included under the heading of pastoral ministry, yeah, you've got, you've got, you know, administration, you've got management, You've sure. got teaching, you've got preaching, scholarship, counseling. Yep. Um, like if you really start, you know, event planning and, and I mean, there, there's so many different hats that, a, that, that, a, that need to be worn and need to be so many different roles that need to be executed well mm. to, to really do the pastoral ministry thing well. And my question is how, how often do you come across a man, yeah. a single man who can wear all of those hats well. Right. Yeah. And, and I look at someone like Doug Wilson and I'm like, okay, well he's like a once in a generation, like Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders kind of yeah. athlete who, who really can do it all well. Yeah. Um, but it, it's absurd to expect that most churches are going to find a guy like that. Um, yeah. and so, and so your, our, didn't your resume say must start publishing media ministry yeah. classical yeah. school right <laughs> yeah you need to you need to you need to you know produce and handle nbc interviews yeah. well <laughs> that's right yeah you need to be able to produce 100 pages of, of publishable content every week right. um, you know and and read like a thousand pages uh, a week or whatever it's like yeah um so i think the bar like i the bar should be really high, but, but you can solve for that problem a couple ways. You, you know, you don't have to just sit around and wait for the next elite 
pastor, you can you can say, well, we've got a guy who's really good at this, and we've got yep. a guy who's really good at that, and that's we good. can staff it. And so that's how we've approached it, and we've we've maintained and and uh, this openness and willingness to have a head pastor someday if we find a guy that that really fits that role. But in the meantime, we've hired, um, we've got a very active session of ruling elders who all play pretty important roles in the church. And then, mm. and then we've hired two different pastors, neither of which are head pastors, but both play important roles, uh, in, in our church, uh, and very specific roles. You know, we've defined, here's what your job is. Like, here's what, like, here are your gifts and here's the, the, the stuff we want you to focus on. And so they have the freedom just to do what they do. Um, but yeah, I, I think, to come back to your comment, um, I think I, I don't want to like just completely dissuade any man from pursuing ministry early as a career. Yeah. But um, I would say if you really want to make an impact and as a as a pastor, um, you're probably going to have a, be, a a better a much better go of it. Uh, if, if your desire is pastoral ministry, if your desire is to be an academic to be a thought leader in some specialty niche area of theology, then, then sure go the academic route and, and do all of that yeah. from a young age. But if you really desire to be a pastor, um, then, you know, you, you, you're going to, you're going to be so much better equipped for that with 10, 20 years of experience in, in the marketplace, you know, That's raising really a family, getting hired, getting fired, you know, yep competing uh and and taking your lumps like the rest of us yep. and 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 you can you can and should throughout that whole process be be praying and be studying and be preparing for the day and i have like my friend cam edenfield down in um he's down in birmingham is, the, is their assistant pastor yeah he uh he was a salesforce administrator at this biotech company you know before making you know i i I'll say, uh, he may not appreciate this, but I was there right before he left making really good money. Um, hmm. right. I mean, m making more money, I'm, I'm sure a lot more money than most pastors, Yeah. but his, his mindset was someday I'm going to be a pastor, but until then I'm going to get really good at, at That's whatever good. it is I'm doing, you know? Yeah, um, I love it. so now yeah, he's doing, anyway. CR, he's doing amazing CRM for uh, new visitors. You can't. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, no, that's right. That's right. He's like, he totally getting all his automated, personalized messaging from this pastor. And <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's amazing. No, he's, I mean, he's a good example of a dude. I mean, we worked together in sales. I think he was in sales and customer service. He might've even worked for Jerry at one time. Yeah. Um, way back in the day. And then, um, you know, he, he got a, you know, got a theology. I think he did his master's in theology at NSA and then, and then studied at one point uh, in the Anglican Church to pursue wow. you know, being ordained as a deacon there, which is basically like being ordained as a pastor. Um, and then he did the Theopolis thing. So like he's been studying for for decades um, and preparing. Um, the guy James, uh, excuse me, one of one of our ruling elders, Jason Cherry, he was a uh, of super success, like a very successful. Uh, I think pharma sales rep or, uh, wow. for, for like, I don't know how many years, 10 years. And his whole game plan was, I'm going to be a pastor someday. Wow. He saved, he, he worked his butt off, lived super frugally, 
paid off his, he bought a house, paid it off, um, put a ton of money in savings, and then said, as soon as my kids start school, I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to go teach at a classical Christian school where my kids are going to school. That's amazing. And so that's what he's doing right now. Uh, and he's preaching twice a month at our church and he's writing books, you know? Wow. Um, and I, have, I just have so much respect for that kind of man. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for me. It's hard for me to look at a dude who's never had a real job um, mm. and have the and, and have the same kind of and respect. And, and it's it's you know it's like anyway. So I, I won't you I know, won't go really on good. and on about it. I'm gonna offend a lot of a lot of my <laughs> friends. Um, but uh, no, I yeah. I agree with you, Larson. Like I, I I do think when I when I think of a pastor, I think of someone who who should who probably has like an entrepreneurial, you kind of have to be an entrepreneurial yeah. person yeah, yeah, in many yeah. ways. And, and if, if, if in your business as a business owner, you, you know, you're, you're obsessed with the customer and delighting the customer mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. figuring all that things out. But then you go to Sunday and right in your own, just pragmatic, practical way of thinking, you're like, well, this pastor doesn't even, you know, preach messages that even, even hit my heart, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm not to say that the pastor is supposed right. to look at you as a customer, but, but there is something that you learn. I think that God has imbued, endowed into this world in real life when mm -hmm. you sell and you get rejected yeah. and when you sell and when you get it right. And this idea of learning how to socialize, learning how to do that within your community. Now, in this mm -hmm. case, in the internet, you've got a global community. I, but I do think there are just some life lessons that you learn that God has put into this world mm -hmm. um, be, because, because that's just how, that's just how we learn. That's just how we yep. get more wise. It's always yep. done in the construct of other people right. and learning how to work with other people. And, yep. and if a pastor just continually thinks that every Sunday it's about the gospel and it's about your heart and you need to repent and, you're more sinful than you ever could dare imagine and you get that every Sunday and every Sunday but but you've got the rest of your life where you're dealing with people and all mm -hmm. kinds of people and dealing with all types of complexities with people um, it just becomes this very simplified thing that becomes very easy for a pastor to do mm -hmm. in his ivory tower and yeah. then the worst case scenario is um, he, he actually starts belittling you which I also mm -hmm. have experienced yeah. in many ways where the yeah. pastors actually think that they're better than everybody because right. their grasp of reality, right, is very much an invisible spiritual one. Yeah. And, and before you know it, they actually think that that type of kingdom life is actually what everybody should aspire to. And it's yeah. because they never held a nine to five job. Well, and, and I think, I think if you've ever managed people or you've ever tried to lead an organization, um, you realize how difficult it is, um, and, and how important communication is. And, um, you know, and it, it, even when you're leading a meeting, you know, when you're leading a meeting and you're trying to get some things done and some decisions made, you know, how difficult that can be. And, and, um, and just developing the skill of being able to read people, you know, read their emotions and, and perceive whether they're following what you're saying, um, read their body language. I mean, all of That's these good. things, really good. right. Um, and, and like, I, I had a recent experience where some, some 
some people um, had in our church had some some kind of gotcha kind of questions for me and um, and sat me down and and started peppering me with questions and it was a um, and I've sat next to other people uh, in the same kind of situation and and there's this temptation to default to let me just lay out all my arguments biblically yep. and just really nail them with all that you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of revert back to the to the you know, so in, in, in rhetoric, you learn about, um, the, the act, you know, rhetoric is like the study of, of persuasive speaking. Sure. So you learn, you learn about, um, logic, um, ethos and pathos, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Logos, pathos, ethos, right? So, yep. so you've got, uh, the argument, the logos, you've got the ethos, which is sort of your, your credibility right. as a speaker and the pathos, which is kind of the emotional side of what you're doing. Yep. And those are things that are like all of those different dynamics are in play anytime you're communicating Absolutely and having good. a conversation. And, and I think, um, and I think a lot of pastors might just kind of clam up and just go right to the, to the, to the logos, you know, and mm. just kind of lay out the, the, the thing and sort of miss the opportunity to connect with the people they're talking to. Um, and so in that like recent experience, I, I sort of realize I, these people don't need to hear, my logical biblical argument mm. about you know from scripture about this topic i can tell that this is more of an emotional thing That's that good. they're wrestling with and let's let's kind of lean into that and and uh, and by the end of the conversation they were like oh yeah i get it okay cool great that was really helpful um, but i happen to have had one of my two of my sons sitting next to me when this happened and as we drove home i told him exactly what you said i just said you know years of meeting with people selling to people reading people um have gone into this um, developing this skill of being able to, to, to sit across from people and, and actually help lead them uh, in a, in a new direction. You know, That's usually so it's just kind of a standoff. That's really so, good. Anyway. Awesome. Yeah. We forget that like, if we're all in Christ, that means we, there's a kingliness to mm. our, our vocation, right? Yeah. Let alone good. us being just men. And, and we're raising future kings and future, yes. right? We're, yes. we're raising future rulers. Yes. And how can you rule if, if on Sunday, you know, you're just talking about an abstract, That's invisible right. spiritual thing. Um, yeah. it, it, it does not apply to earthly rule. It does not apply to kingly rule. And that's, I believe, exactly what Christ wants us to practice mm -hmm. here on earth mm -hmm. is to exercise mm -hmm. rulership because he's king over all. And we get yep. to imitate him, and and you yep. just can't do that if if your church is just obsessed with this invisible, um, yep. gnostic sort of gospel that that really goes nowhere six days out of the week. Um, yep. But yeah, good. So so you're one of the things that you're really passionate about is is entrepreneurship, and um, and I know that you know the things that are happening. I I recorded a video a while back, um, a year or two ago called uh, I think the title was. Um, startup porn and the I corporate watched it. rat race. I yeah. watched it. Yeah, it was good. So I was kind of, I was kind of taking some shots at at Silicon Valley and and things like Y Combinator and kind of yep. the narrative that 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 they're sort of feeding to young entrepreneurs, uh, kind of the model that that most that they sort of want you to follow, yep. um, which ultimately leads to you giving <laughs> the company or selling the company to them. Um, 
how do you think about those things and how do you think Christians should be interacting with, uh, with, um, especially with entrepreneurship? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm talking to the, the wise and, you know, the master uh. of it. So, you know, please, this is a, I think this is going to be a two way conversation. Yeah. So this is just based on my meditations, but I think there's a lot of things that are wrong with Silicon Valley mm-hmm. because what's interesting is you're, you're training people to create these unicorns mm-hmm. um, and growth at all costs. And mm-hmm. I think that's just not how God has worked the world. If a lot yeah. of his analogies are based on land and plotting seeds and mm-hmm. agriculture, yeah. I think those things are they're timeless principles. And so I, I do think there's, there's a lot of man-centeredness and an elevation of man above God when it comes to how thoughtful, perpetually cash flow, value creating businesses that bless the world over time, yeah. how yeah. those actually grow, right? Um, yeah. So I think there's a lot of wrong there. I think there's also wrong in um, um, training people that, that this is the only way. I, I do yeah. believe, and I can talk about it later, but I do believe that there are going to be certain folks in and i hope that the body of christ um trains the future of these types of people but um i do think there's something wrong when zuckerberg and elon musk and all these people that are apparently changing the world are all pagans and hate god yeah Um, i think there's something off about that script when when you compare it to just how much robust theology we have that's available to us today and and the sheer amount of resources of having billions of christians around the world so i do think there's something incredibly off about the church. And like I told you, I think it's a spell that's been cast on us. Mm. Um, and, and so there are some things that are wrong. I also think the last thing that's wrong is the irony is you give up like 90% of your equity over time, right? Mm. You give up everything. And then the people who win <laughs> are the yeah. venture capitalists and the limited partners, yeah, right? right? So you do all the work, you get to live out your vision. You get to hire all these people and write all your blog posts but you don't own anything in your company yeah. because you give it all away. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think you'll even see it with serial entrepreneurs where they, they realize that the painful way and then they end up right doing it their own way. They raise their own money. I'm talking to yeah. one company right now where it's just in their own family trust and he mm. just works with family trust and he has his own. And that's mm. it. He's never going to mess with metal around with Silicon Valley ever again. Yeah. Um, so I think those are a lot of things that are wrong. I think there's there's certain things that are right, um, yeah. and 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 I think what it is is they have an imagination of what the world mm. should look, should look like. Yeah, that's good. And and I think what's part of the spell that's been cursed on Christians is because we've lived this Gnostic, invisible kind of Christian life, where Jesus is Lord over my invisible heart. Yeah. Um, we've we've lost the capacity to actually think. We lost the capacity to actually imagine what life would look like, what the kingdom of God would taste like, smell like, feel like, mm. uh, listen, uh, when you listen, what would it sound like? Mm. And the best that we've got is a Christ who submits to a secular world in mm. which the best shot you've got at being Christian is relegated inside of your home and inside mm. of your church. And so therefore, we've taught our congregants to put, to put our pastors to work such that these pastors actually have titles called pastor of vision. Like, oh yeah, I'm the visionary pastor. So, right. so talk about there's big government, 
But I think in our modern evangelical setting, we have big church where yeah. the pastors get to have all the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get yeah. to give them all the money, let them yeah. do all the imagining and the visioning That's and right. live your life as a plumber kind of in this mundane world that really is overshadowed by, gosh, your Wednesday night you know, alpha ministry that you could do and then the Friday night thing that you could do and then a Sunday service that isn't about you, it's about your neighbor. And mm -hmm. so let's put on a rock concert and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden, the church has become way too fat. The yeah. church has an incredibly critical role to play, but pastors need to respect the lane that they've been given and yeah, they need to sure. equip the saints for ministry. And once yeah. the saints are activated for ministry and they actually go back to the word of God, they're going to realize that as a plumber, I have a glorious vocation. Yeah. As a plumber, yeah. I actually have the Word of God that can actually show me how to be a plumber. Right. Like, I right. really do believe that. I really do believe that you can Christianize blue-collar jobs and you can Christianize white-collar jobs and you will look distinct in the world, not because you don't lie or don't cuss, mm -hmm. but because your product is distinct. Right. So that's the thesis yeah. that I believe in. And so yeah. when I think about Silicon Valley, I think it's an indictment on the lack of biblical imagination that the church doesn't have. Yeah, and I also good. think it's an indictment on the radical generosity that Silicon Valley as a network gives to one another. Mm -hmm. I think it's a radical indictment in that we've been trained to give money out to missionaries and the Southern Baptists have done a phenomenal job with the North American Mission Board, you know, that's why they're the biggest institution out there that's sending people out. Um, but I think there's there, there's a lot of wrong with that too, because it's living again yeah. on this like two yeah. kingdom mentality, when in reality, we should have learned how to invest in businesses. We yeah. should have had, by this point, I wish that we have mapped out all the key counties that exist today where we can actually have a shot at building local christendom and yeah. then imagine having funds and investors thinking strategically about how do we acquire thriving local businesses how do we acquire really strategic commercial real estate right yeah. kind of that level of creativity yeah. but but we don't get that because we haven't worked that muscle out in yeah. our work if that makes sense yeah. we haven't yeah. worked that out in our go ahead Totally. No, totally, man. And, and, uh, that's so good. I'm, I've got a meeting, uh, maybe today we, we didn't solidify, but about that exact, about some of those exact things, um, <clears throat> there, and, and it seems like the only people with the kind of experience in doing those kinds of things and thinking imaginatively and creatively about really about taking dominion, that's really, right. um, that's doing right. the earth around them, fulfilling the creation mandate and, and I would say the, the, the great commission as well. Um, the only people that seem to have any experience are, like you said, it's either business people outside of the church or Christians who have set their Christianity aside, you know, for That's 40 good. hours a week so that they can pursue these things. And then, you know, unfortunately, uh, most of the successful, like the really successful business people I know that are Christians, um, they look at, they look at success for them is making a huge pile of money, quitting their job and mm. then, sp and then, and then devoting their life to ministry and yep. giving money to ministry. But ministry is defined as 
evangelism, typically, uh, m- maybe mercy ministry, which is wonderful. Yep. Um, but a lot of times it's out of town, it's somewhere else. And it's not, yep. I-, I think the idea that, I-, I think the vision that, that out of the church should flow living waters, you know, that, that, mm. the, that the church and the temple are, are an image of the, of, of the garden you know, that has water of life flowing out of it. Um, and, and that the, that the church should be this wellspring of living waters that flows out to the desert around it mm. and brings life to, to the world around it. Yeah. And that like, like just that image, um, that the church should be transforming the world, just everything in the vicinity of the church, of the community uh, of the church should be slowly transforming into a garden. You know, should we That's should good. be restoring it to a garden, to a garden city, um, to a new Jerusalem. And, um, and that's really the work of God's people. That's what we pray. You know, thy kingdom come on earth as, as it is right. in heaven. This is, this is what we're all praying for uh, when we pray the Lord's prayer. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think, I think our people have been taught that a, you know, there's an eschatological thing where it's like, we are, we are supposed to be sojourners and pilgrims uh, in this life, which there's obviously truth to that. And there's scripture there, but um, and our treasures in heaven yeah, there's, there's, you, you can kind of take a couple different proof texts and build this whole system of belief that, therefore, um, I shouldn't expect to be successful. I shouldn't even pursue success in any in any material or physical, yeah, way. Right. I should just kind of expect to work for someone else my whole life, and and uh, and then you know I was our teenagers at church were talking a, a week I think last Sunday they had a, a Bible study and they, this topic came up. And they, the two things that the kids said when they started talking about what's a Christian job or how should Christians think about work was a, you should work to the glory of God. Yes. Everyone says yes. But then you say, so what does that mean? Nobody could give a definition of what that (laughs) means. You, you, you gave a definition a second ago. You said it wasn't about not cussing or swearing or whatever. It was about, it was about providing a more value to, to, to your customers. It was about. It was about providing an excellent service that's 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 better than anybody else. Uh, but none of the kids could define. It was just I, you just say that those words to the glory of God after whatever it is you say you do for a living, and somehow that makes it into a, a Christian job. Right, right. Uh, and two, uh, they talked about a good job being a job that allows you to have lots of time with your family. Uh, that family is really the really the right, more important right, thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we just, uh, me and Rich just had um, David Bonson on our show uh, last week. And yeah, he's I writing saw that. a book. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. So he's talking about this stuff and just how I just think our view of work um, in in Christianity, um, in, in evangelical American Christianity is is really out of whack. Um, I agree. Like we don't, we don't treat it as if it's a sacred task. Yeah. 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 Like we, right. we, but we want something else and we've been taught what we want is we want, we want to, we, I guess we have to be preachers. We have to, I guess we yeah. have to go to seminary. I guess, I guess I should yeah. go through my pastor's leadership discipleship program to eventually become some spiritual yeah. person. Right. And in reality, it should be the opposite. It's like, right. wow, you're, you're a programmer. 
praise God. Like, yeah, you, you can change your world with that. And, yeah. and, and if you could actually, if you should actually seek the Lord, um, about this task, this mighty task, this mighty vocation mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. this, this assignment he's given you. Like mm-hmm. I, I personally just believe God, God will show you things in the scriptures that you never thought you could apply to the methodology of coding, the philosophy yeah. of coding. And I think what ends up happening is you actually create a theology of your work. Mm. And, and that's, that's this glorious thing about the priesthood of, right, the, the priesthood of all believers is, is that, is that we get access to God through the word of God by faith, and, and we put this, the skills that he has given us to exert dominion, and, and he ends up starting to coach us. He ends up, he ends up giving yeah. us strategy. He ends up giving us a vision. And I think what ends up happening is you, your, your product just looks distinct. Again, I, mm-hmm. I, just have to, I just really believe it. And I think yeah. we live in a Christianity today where all around us, when we look at Christianity, because our discipleship is not just taught, it's caught. We're just mm-hmm. a derivative of the world. Yeah. Our music, yeah. Hillsong and Bethel, all it is is a derivative of Taylor Swift and yeah, Justin sure. Bieber. Right? For That's sure. the best we've got. That's the best product we can deliver out there is it's a right. lesser thing. It's a derivative of the original. Right. And that, to me, is a shame yeah. because God tells the best stories. We're yeah. the ones energized by the very Holy Spirit of God that raised right. a dead body from the tomb. Right. And we have a kingdom that's coming to earth now. And we right. have this amazing mission. So now when you, when you, when you think that and your post mill and your covenantal to a thousand generations, yeah. right? And it's exercised by faith where God is going to help you move those mountains. How could you yeah. not, when you boil it down to, gosh, I spent a third of my life as a computer programmer. How could you mm-hmm. not see and wake up to the glorious potentiality that yeah. you got to make your mark? So yeah. that's, that's one thing. And I think the other thing, yeah. too, is to your point, Larson, like we were, men were created for mission. Mm-hmm. Like we were created to be on mission and our family, praise God, we get to bring a tribe with us on that yeah. journey. Like how amazing yeah. is it that you get to show, I love the fact that you, every time you get into a tough car or whatever, that you have a recap with your son, you yeah. know, like yeah. how awesome is that? Like yeah. in, like we were meant to be on assignments by God. We yeah. were meant to, that's part of our kingly rule. Totally. That's part of our training. And, and I think that's the other thing is like when work is relegated to like what you were saying, it's relegated to family the funny part is your family is going to be less equipped and less strong, right? And less blessed yeah. as a result of you not treating your work as if that is part of the mission that God has yeah. assigned you to exert rule for Christ's totally. glory. So anyway, totally. I interrupted you. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. No, 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 no. I, uh, everything you said was, was wonderful. Um, I, I was just thinking about, it was kind of a, um, a, a thought I hadn't articulated before, but just like, I, I, there's this, <clears throat> Like we're all against sort of the prosperity gospel, sure, and and a lot of the heresy there. And I think I think probably maybe overly nervous about sounding too much like that. Um, I think with the prosperity gospel, one uh, the the reality is when you look at the prosperity gospel, a lot of the stuff 
is right. Like a lot of they're yeah. they're onto some really great stuff, and they're and they're they're pulling this a lot of this stuff from scripture. Sure. Part of the problem is an impatience, um, mm. and I think that's where the covenantal piece and the post millennial piece that's comes good. into play. Where where you go, look, um, I may be a computer programmer. Um, um, I don't have millions of dollars of capital, you know, and I don't have the experience necessarily to go and create, uh, you know, successfully launch a, a software startup on my own. Um, but, but maybe my sons will, um, mm. and, um, and what can I be doing to, to be growing in, in, in skill, knowledge, experience to prepare for, for more, you That's know, good. um, but, but it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to, you know, it might, might not even be my sons and maybe my grandsons, but I think that's the, I think our, our time frame for, for this transformation of the world around us yeah. has to be, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and when you start thinking that way, um, it really, I think does change. Um, it kind of changes everything. It's, it's like, why, why wouldn't I start, plotting away at building something, you know, um, I, I don't have to be the one that finishes it. I can just be the one that starts it. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's because of bad eschatology, there's a lot of people who, who just go, it's all going to burn any day now anyway. Yeah. So I just, I'm just going to kind of check out and, and, and spend as much time with my family or as much time evangelizing as I can. Um, which I think is you a say, Larson, that affects that affects your ability to be effective at all those other things that you care about. Totally, totally, yeah. I mean, you, you become yes. Uh, the other thing you said that I thought I thought was really interesting. Uh, you were talking about how Christians we have the oracles of God. Um, we we have the Holy Spirit who 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 breathes new life and creativity. I mean, He filled. He's filled uh, his people with uh, the spirit of, of skill and knowledge yes. and wisdom to be able to go do things. Um, and, and, and yet, culturally, everything that the ch evangelical church is doing is derivative of yes. what the culture is doing. And I don't know that anybody's ever run that out. Like, okay, you go to a Hillsong church that, that your music imitates the world's just run that out for like another 20, 30 years. Where does that end up? Like it, it, in, it, it, it ends has up with to hiring keep... gay pastors. Yeah. And right. Up, you're, right. You're like, yep. But anyway, go ahead. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, it's, it, you end up just kind of circling the drain and, and, and eventually the church just becomes slowly the Christian part of whatever it is you're doing just becomes more and more watered down and more and more irrelevant. Um, and, um, and yeah, at some point you're, you're begging, you're begging the world for permission to, to, to do anything. Um, and I, I think you're right. It's just, a it's, it's not the way that, that Kings and, and priests who, who, uh, the King who says all authority on heaven, on earth has been given to me, uh, go, therefore go, I'm sending you out as my viceroys, you know, as my, as my ambassadors, out into the world, Amen. Um, uh, to 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 teach the nations, you, you guys with my authority, go teach the nations Amen. how to do things. Right? It's like that's not a that's not the mentality that wow. that that we have. That's good, and and less less we forget. There's also the prophetic 
office that Jesus fulfills perfectly too. Yeah. So when you when you're so when you're just a derivative, mm. that's the best you got. Yeah. What what does that what does that say about this kingdom yeah. that we 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 claim is a far better reality that you should be a part of? Yeah. And so that's, that's why I think more than ever, you know, we, we need to we need to kind of break that spell. And I think the best way we can break that spell is to have people like yourself, obviously what you're doing, what you're doing. But but I but my, my earnest hope is that it, unfortunately, you know, I do wish that we had a bunch of post mill covenantal like that was our popular modern evangelical, you know, church. I'm curious to see where we would be today. Mm-hmm. Um but but unfortunately because we don't have that worked out, we don't we we don't have Y Combinator for Christians. Yeah. You know, we don't yeah. have Silicon Valley for Christians. And right. so unfortunately, yes, like some of those ideas that might have required millions of dollars may not be created today. Yeah. But but I'm still earnestly hoping that the way that you can break out of it is by you being that person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so my hope is that there's still going to be an emerging class of people yeah. who have enough spine, but but are rooted in the scriptures enough that they have a biblical vision for their product or their startup. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. willing to do it. They're willing to do it. They're willing to bootleg it. They're willing to do the hard work and, and then see what God does. Mm-hmm. And, and my, it, we kind of have to do that, unfortunately. It has to, it's a zero to one event. So mm-hmm. that covenantal progression, we don't get, we don't, we don't get the benefits of, of that. Um, yeah. But my, my earnest hope is, is people are going to do it anyway. And yeah. and yeah, maybe nine times out of ten, the, the first... Voyagers, you know, we, we kind of shipwrecked it all, but but yeah. who knows? Maybe there's going to be one. But you know what? I'd rather live a story like that. I'd yeah. rather live a story of faith than a story that does not require faith. Yeah, and I think that's the yeah. that's the other point I wanted to make is that Abraham saw something glorious. He saw he saw a better he saw a better inheritance. He saw a better land. He had color. There was pictures. I'm sure there's some vividness, even though his gospel was partial at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 it requires faith, and I think mm-hmm. in our generation, like part of the reason why I'm encouraging people to do this is it'll it'll activate faith, mm-hmm. right? It'll force you to say, yep. Lord, what are you up to? What do you want to do? And yep. then how do I trustingly follow suit and be on this great yep. adventure? Yeah. And and so yep. we need we need that. So yeah. if if, it, if there's even just one or two brothers who are on the fences, I maybe Larson's like no 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 no, but I'm sure Larson and I no. would be on the same page. Go for it, go for it. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Well, we the church needs it desperately because <clears throat> I think you know you you talk about kind of fragility um, yes. as an institution. <clears throat> you know we've we've got um, when when ninety nine percent of the members of the church work for yep. Wall Street companies or companies that are that you know, big corporations um, you know we're we're our entire existence you know is is completely dependent upon um, our people staying under the radar and not getting fired you that's know good. for their faith and at some point that's gonna happen you know at yep. some point, you know, one of these gay gay pride months, you know, if it's not 2024, it's going to, or 2023, it's going to be 2024, or 2025, where it's no longer 
okay for you to kind of quietly sit in the background and not and not participate. At oh. some point, you're going to have to. We had a guy in our church last year call me at Gay Pride and said, "Hey, I'm the manager. You know, I work for a huge corporation. I'm the manager of my office uh, here, and uh, corporate just sent me a Gay Pride flag and said I have to hang it in the office." Wow. And he said, "What do I do? Like, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what to do." And I said. Throw like, it in the trash can. You're like, here's a flag of the cross. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So he did. I mean, he just stuck it in his. He just he just hit it uh, and and waited to see what was going to happen. Um, and that was a brave. That, that was an act of, of courage and bravery on his part. It fortunately he didn't lose his job uh, this year. You know, but it could be next year. Um, and and that that's what we're all staring at right now. And so you're you're. You're, you're grasping for security, working for these institutions that hate you and your yes. way of life. And, and, um, and so really just from a pragmatic survival standpoint, it's, you know, it's a, it would be a, a smarter, wiser strategy to, to become a tent maker of some sort, you know, yeah. build, build some sort of, um, capability, uh, to provide for yourself and your family, um, that doesn't require you working for, for the man. Yes. Um, and I, but, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Larson, about like also, you know, my, my hope is that I don't have to send my son to Seattle or to New York yeah. City because he tells me, Dad, you know, I love the Lord, but unfortunately that's just where the jobs are all at. You know, mm-hmm. my hope is yeah. that we, we begin building these because I, I think COVID was a very strategic, I think it was a gift to the body, at least at least for maybe for folks who are who see it opportunistically. Yeah. But I think COVID was a great, it created a reshuffling of who's on which side and mm-hmm. where everyone's geolocated. And mm-hmm. I and maybe this is selfish plug for us, but I do think there's something very powerful going on in the South. Yeah. And and I think there's potential to create these cities of refuge or these yeah. cities of entrepreneurship where in these cities there's enough Christians who are awakened to the possibilities yeah. and the opportunity yeah. ahead of them. And they don't want to forfeit their chapter that God is trying to write in, in, in this generation. Yeah. And I just wonder, is it possible for us to create these alternative economies locally yeah. so that, yeah, we may not be Silicon Valley. We don't have to be Silicon Valley, yeah. but why can't between Huntsville and Columbia and yeah. whichever, why, why can't we imagine the possibilities and say, yeah. well, what if we tried to do something here? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that goes to my, my only point on this is I, th- I think the church needs to collaborate more. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's for where sure. business people are really phenomenal, like entrepreneurs and CEOs, right? I'm sure you, you, like yourself, like with your podcast, there's just there needs to be more collaboration if we're going to do something of scale yeah. that actually yeah. matters in our time. So, but yeah. curious to your thoughts there. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, you know, I think one, one, one step is casting a vision, you know, a big part of it. This is just pastoral. It's just teaching and preaching. Um, yeah. and, and cause, cause I, I, I don't see a lot of people just blindly following this stuff. I mean, I think they're going to have to catch a vision for it and, and understand biblically why this is what God's, uh, intends for us. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, Yes, yeah, starting churches. You know, we we. You know, one of the cool things about entrepreneurship is, um, you know, th- there's this 
um, you know, it's like science, like good science is supposed to be falsifiable, right? You're supposed mm. to be able to, 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 to make an assertion that can yeah. be tested as true or false. Christians don't live. I don't, Christians don't, I think good prayers are falsifiable, uh, mm. f- falsifiable. So, so when I ask the Lord to bless something that I'm doing, um, I, I should be praying and listening and, 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 and waiting in such a way that, that God can either say yes or no. Hmm. Um, and, and so Good. entrepreneurship is a great opportunity to do that. You go, I'm going to try to do this thing. God, please bless it. Um, and then he either does or he doesn't <laughs> and yeah. either it works or it fails. And you go, well, God said no to that. Uh, uh, what do I do with that information? And when it comes to church planting, I've said the same thing to a lot of guys who are, who are looking at planting churches is plant in such a way that God can say no to it and you will obey, right? Do, do, do it in a way where like for my wife and I, we said, Lord, um, we're going to work on this for six months. Um, cause we feel like that's what we're supposed to be doing next. If you don't, if you don't clearly bless it in a way that's obvious, we're going to, we're going to take that as you saying no, Mm. and we're going to move on, uh, to the, to the next thing that we think we should be doing. It's good. Um, and, and so I think that's, I think that, that I think Christians, um, um, exercising faith, you know, in a, in a, having this kind of active dialogue with the Lord where you're praying for his blessing on things you, and then you're stepping out in faith and, tr- and doing the thing and then leaving yourself open to him, shutting the door, shutting it down uh, and, and it failing. That's just not an experience that, that Christians have, have, have gone through much or have been trained to do. It's mostly yeah. this risk averse, you know, get the, get the best degree, um, get the most solid job, keep your head down. That's really good. Um, and so, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, but you said this a second ago, the, the wonderful, powerful thing. And this is where you, you talked, you tied it back to your, your children's faith. This mm. idea that my sons and daughters are growing up watching their mom and dad, walking in faith yes um and and observing the 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 incredible works of god you know they're they're watching god deliver us from you know from one thing one challenge one trial to another and and in such a way that i think they're going to to when they go out on their own to establish their own households they're going to go how like you said how could i possibly um imagine leaving this God who has been so faithful to me and my family. I've, I've watched him, you know, provide miraculously for my family. We just don't open ourselves up to that kind of experience. And so we have this, this sort of, um, uh, I, I just think so many Christians have this kind of malaise and this kind of, um, they're just kind of sleepwalking because yeah, that's right. Because life is just easy and it's easy to forget. It's just easy to forget God when everything's just easy. And, um, and you're never doing anything risky or dangerous. And, and we, to circle back to the original conversation about church, you don't, you don't get it from the pulpit either. Yeah, that's right. right? You're not, no, you're not totally. getting it from the pulpit either. And so there's, there's just no motivation for any of that. <clears throat> yeah. And it's, and it's, and, and, and it's easy to be cynical. I mean, I, I think one interpretation is cynical that, that those, those pastors, don't have faith either. And they don't want, they don't want their people taking risks and doing crazy things. They want their people, you know, with good jobs and tithing. Um, 
And so it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a cycle. So yeah, I think the place to start is go find a church community, um, that's going, that, that lives by faith, that tries to apply all of scripture to all of life and, yes. and a place where you're going to be challenged to, uh, to, to, um, to get uncomfortable and to, and to, and to, uh, walk out your faith in ways that, that, uh, that actually require faith and, and, um, uh, and that are difficult, um, to find those kinds of churches if you're, if, and, 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 and or try to be a part of starting one, if you can, um, there is a whole, I think you didn't get into this, uh, part of the story as much. Um, yeah. but there is a whole, um, you've probably read Jim Wilson's principles of warfare. Yep. Have you heard of that book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And he, you know, what I love about that book, and you used kind of this military language several times as you were talking today, mm. um, this kind of strategic, you know, there, there is a, um, the military language is, is, is biblical language. You know, yes. scripture uses that kind of language That's all right. the time. Um, it's not like some weird obsession that, that, that our circle has with fight with like warfare. Um, it's this terminology that's used all throughout the new and old Testament. Um, and so having a, a militaristic kind of mindset of, of a strategic mindset of, we can't just blunder our way. Like we're, we're not supposed to just blunder our way through life, (laughs) you know, like we're, we're supposed to think strategically. Um, and And Larson, uh, you've played sports, right? So yeah, it's like, if you win, you, you value strategy that much more, you know, like, and I think that's half the battle is waking up from the curse of thinking that we're losers. Yeah, that's right. That the church is somehow in a losing battle when in reality, like the tomb is empty. Yeah. Last time I, last time that we and I checked back, like it's, (laughs) it's empty. This entire cosmos and world is forever undone. And, and so, yeah, let's think like we're going to win. Let's, let's like Doug says, let's be cheerful, but let's be warriors about it. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted, but. No, it's so good, man. Well, listen, man, I feel like you and I could talk for another two or three hours. Um, and and we probably should, we should probably, we should probably do this again. Um, but, but for the listener's sake, I think maybe we released this as two episodes because it was, it was good. Um, but, um, I want to, I want to give people a chance. I know you're actively hustling in your local community, uh, you're doing some some things that I, I know you're you're trying to recruit people to 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 jump in with you on. Can you share a little bit about some of those things and give folks who are listening to this and want to want to learn more about how they can uh, jump in with with Chris Wang and 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 get involved in the in the oh, work? Oh man, doing? yeah, that would that would be an honor. So um, I guess first off, people if if people are on LinkedIn, um, people can yeah. follow me there and not follow yeah. but just connect. Um, yeah. Under just yeah, your content on LinkedIn is awesome. I love I love it every time you post. You always oh, post thank awesome you, brother. stuff. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So it's just Chris Huang H W A N G, um, and then the two startups that that I've been focused on right now is uh, the first one is KingdomCome.io, and KingdomCome okay. is an invite only network for Christians who want to connect, grow, and collaborate with like minded uh, brothers. 
Um, and ultimately, the, the hope is let's reclaim every industry for Christ. Mm, and so awesome. it's, a, it's a network in which there's a global aspect to it. So there's brothers from Australia who are professional um, animators. There's local businessmen who are acquiring businesses. There's economists from Moscow, Idaho. And, and it's just this wonderful world of just sharing notes and trying to do our work. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kingdomcome.io. And it's invite mm -hmm. only. Um, and it's intentionally going to be that for the long haul. Um, cool. So if you're interested in that, we'd love people to check it out. And I'll personally reach out um, to anyone who responds back. And then everygoodwork.art is, um, you could consider it in a nutshell, it's a post-mill fine art marketplace for mm. exclusive originals and affordable prints on canvas called G Clays. Mm. And it is our mission to um, break that spell and the most powerful way you can break it is through an image because ultimately yeah. these images tell stories. And mm. so we believe God is the best storyteller of them all. And so mm. why shouldn't you be hanging glorious stories on your wall? This is yeah. one of them to a thousand generations is called it. So everygoodwork.art. Awesome. Um, and then lastly, if you happen to be in middle Tennessee or even in the Huntsville area for, for brothers who have time, I know Saturdays are hard, but this Saturday, uh, March 25th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at our classical Christian school called Agathos. We're actually hosting our first event um, called uh, Building the Kingdom of God in Columbia in Murray County. And nice. uh, we have an ex-state senator, David Fowler, who will be leading the lectures. And pretty much it's Kuyperianism on steroids. Um, yeah. And it's all about uniting the body of Christ across denominational lines who nice. actually want to make a dent in Colombia for their children and to a thousand generations. And you can check out more information there at um, murraycountyforchrist.com and Murray County spelled M-A-U-R-Y countyforchrist.com and uh, sign up for more details there. So I know that was killer. a lot, but thanks no, for giving killer. me the airspace to, to make the pitch. Yeah. Well, we'll get this up before Saturday and uh, and let folks know about about which about the event. I love I love events, man. I th I think events are um, are one of the more powerful, like in person, real life events are I one agree. of the powerful. Larson, ways. would you ever be interested? Put you on the spot for us to do one together? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, of course, I'd love really to. Neat. Yeah, I love I love uh, I love that kind of thing. And we, you know, our church. Um, we did an event early on and it really was a huge catalyst for getting our church off the ground and, mm. and, and helping people find us. So I think it's a great, I think it's a great strategy. Um, I love, uh, and, and there's a lot of, anyway, I, I could get going on that <laughs> whole topic, but, um, well, okay. So Chris Wong, uh, kingdom come dot IO Mar uh, Murray County spelled M A U R Y uh, Murray County for Christ.com. And, uh, and, and the art website remind me again, Every, every good work dot art. Every good work dot art. Killer. Killer, man. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I'm excited uh, to, um, and, I'm, and I'm inspired by hearing you talk and hearing the, all the cool stuff you're involved in and um, look forward to getting to know you better. I'm sure we're going to have more opportunities to talk and, and collaborate, uh, especially since we're, we're basically neighbors just down the road. So yeah, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to it. it.
Thank you so yeah. much for having me, Larson. It was it was, yeah, a, it was a privilege. So thank you. All right. God bless. Cheers. God bless. Bye.